Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my, excuse me, my special guest is Michael Goddard, and we will be talking about his new book, A New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium, and Empowering Your Nobler Self. Michael is an author of the most recent, of more recently, um, In Search of Lost Lives, a winner of the American Book Fest Best Book Award, the Living Now Book Award, the My Body Mind Spirit Book Award, and the National Indie Excellence Award. His new transformative book that we'll be talking about today, A New Now gives readers an invaluable guide to awakening and empowering their higher consciousness so that they can readily navigate their life successfully, happily, easily, and discover how to live in their new now. When readers embark on this journey, they will experience a treasure trove of practical wisdom that will guide them step-by-step in their new now. His other books include Bliss, 33 Simple Ways to Awaken Further, which sold over 38,000 copies, and Spiritual Revolution, A Secret's Guide, which Hollywood Spiritual um, Film and Entertainment Festival named Best Spirituality Self-Help Book, and Australia's Leading Spiritual Bookshop named it one of the 10 most greatest uh, metaphysical books ever written. And for you Aussie listeners out there, go out and, and get that. Um, um, I just noticed today that Australia has jumped to second in listenership uh, right behind the United States. So um, anyway, for more information about Michael and his books, um, you can visit his website, which is www.goddard.com, and that's G-O-D-D-A-R-T dot com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Michael to the show. Good day, Michael. Yes, thank you, Robert. Thank, thank you so much for that great introduction. You're very welcome. I'm, I'm looking for our, forward to our, our talk today. Um, and uh, so let's, let's, I guess, start with, um, can you, would you mind sharing with the listeners a little bit about your journey, you know, um, kind of, you know, in, in your book, you talk about, you know, your childhood and then something happened in, in March of 93. So would you mind sharing with the listeners a little bit about that experience? Yes. Well, um, when I was uh, just after I turned 11, we had uh, moved from Illinois, uh, suburb of Chicago, to Marin County. And uh, that really had a profound effect on me. Uh, when I was 10, I started to try to contact the spirit world out of the blue. I started doing self-hypnosis, automatic writing. Uh, And then uh, right after I turned 11, I uh, let go of my parents' religion. They they really actually weren't that religious uh, because I really began to confront death, Robert. I I guess I was well acquainted Mm. with death because since I was five, I'd raised tropical fish. And uh, I would have to flush them down the toilet. 
toilet, unfortunately. So I was really uh, aware of that. And I would just try to picture what that would be for me. And I had just an overwhelming kind of sickening sensation. And I literally, mm-hmm. you know, at the age of 11, decided to make the top priority of my life to, to search if there was a way to achieve literal immortality uh, with the consciousness of absolute bliss. And so I set up on this path. Uh, shortly thereafter, I, I believe when I was 12, uh, I started reading Edgar Cayce. And uh, as soon as I read about reincarnation, I just immediately knew it was true and accepted it. So um, my journey continued uh, all through high school. Um, and I had a year abroad in England. And when I came back, uh, I found the path I'm currently on. I, I started to meditate when I was 19, but I knew it wasn't the final path for me. It was more of a stopgap while I was overseas. Uh, and so as soon as I came across uh, this path, I intuitively knew it was right for me. Now, I have friends uh, who came on this spiritual path of meditation in their 40s or 50s, and they asked, you know, how come you came on so young? I've been actively searching for uh, the spiritual path three lives prior. And this is all illustrated uh, and made clear in my spiritual memoir, In Search of Lost Lives. Uh, I began the active search uh, three lives ago when I was an uh, architect in post-revolution America, Baltimore. And I came across the uh, Comte de Saint-Germain, if, if anybody's heard of him, and I was just sort of riveted by this uh, so-called master, uh, and I, I was, looked for everything I could to, to read about him. Um, so that's sort of it in, in a nutshell, and of course I can go into great, uh, much greater detail, but my spiritualization really began to get more accelerated, Robert, 12 lives back when I was a very, very high a government official in Lhasa, Tibet, and I was in contact and with two monks in my personal life, and particularly the second one. Uh, it was like my first encounter of these are truly evolved uh, human beings. And from then on, um, it really began to get accelerated. So I hope that wow. gives listeners sort of an idea. <laughs> That Where I come from. Yeah, that that yeah, that's great. Now, um, let's you know you started to talk about lifetimes. So for the listeners, um, let's um, explain um, your um, entry into recognizing your past lives and the fact that there are eighty-eight contained. Uh, or tell us about tell us about your experience with the past life reveals to you. You, you mean um, how, I, how I recovered them? Is that what yeah, you mean? Well, I mean? Basically, like, what, like, yeah, like when it started and, you know, how, how is it you know, that, that you, you recognized what it was? Um, and then, um, you know, from that point on, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. Let's start with yes. that first. Sure. Well, you know, in addition to starting to meditate when I was 19, 
I, I actually started to develop my intuition actively in my 20s. And then in my early 40s, uh, I, I went into a different aspect, although um, I was also doing very intuitive things uh, in my 30s. So basically, this just continued to grow to use my, my intuition, my higher powers of knowing. And I had um, major, major surgery in 2012. Uh, my intestine died, and it was a miracle uh, I was saved, and I had much of it removed. Uh, and um, my whole life changed at that point. Uh, I was really a devoted bodybuilder. I, I ended up losing 40 pounds of, of muscle mass. Uh, and then two months after that major surgery, I hadn't recovered from it yet. Uh, I had just sort of begun to be able to walk. Uh, I started having ball obstructions, and that was like the most painful thing I can imagine after, other than maybe having a leg chopped off. So uh, I was in and out of the ER in the hospital for months, and then I had another major surgery to, to remove as many scar adhesions uh, and scar tissue as possible. So I continued to have all these partial uh, ball obstructions and enormous pain. And where I'm getting to it is that I literally had to intuit every spoonful uh, of food I would eat. I mean, every, every chip or cracker, I couldn't eat too much. Otherwise, I would get bloated and I'd have to fast and I'd lose more weight. So even today, I actively intuit everything I eat. Uh, and my intuition has proved invaluable. So it was actually um, kind of a year and a half later uh, during my um, anniversary of being initiated on this path that I'd, I'd had all these sanskaras, which is Sanskrit for uh, impressions from past lives. That's a part of the story I really haven't gotten to yet. There were just all these things I felt very strongly, like deja vu, um, uh, feelings of intimacy, certain talents, affinities that were unexplainable by the way I was brought up. And if you want to delve into this later, I'm more than happy to. Uh, and, and this actually in my memoir kind of proves reincarnation in a way, because I, I believe who we are is not so much defined, you know, by our parents and our genealogy, but who we've been in the past, and particularly those strong past impressions that come back with you in your current lifetime. So on that anniversary, it just occurred to me, I, I really felt I had met a very high spiritual master before, one in particular, because when I was in India, I just felt so drawn to go where he lived. And when I got there, I just felt pure exaltation. It was just the most, one of the most moving, powerful experiences I had. So I just started to intuit. It was really a, a channel between my everyday consciousness and my higher consciousness. It was really just me, no other entity involved. And I confirmed uh, that I had met the saint exactly when. And as I... Um, and I used to think, well, maybe I had met him my last life, and it just the years didn't make sense, Robert. 
So I started mm-hmm. to recover my past lives, and I found that I had met him two lives ago when I was a British banker, and I had worked in Bombay during the Raj. And I just felt this urge, uh, like six months after my wife and I had arrived, to, to see the Taj Mahal. And just very recently, a number of railroads have been completed. And I was able to travel by rail to Agra. And there, um, and on the train, it just hit me. I thought, wow, I wonder if there's some Swami, you know, some teacher in Agra I could meet. It was sort of like that intuition or inspiration was just mm-hmm. implanted. In me. And I got to my British host who was putting me up. You know, it was kind of an insular British community. And I asked him, and he just gave me a blank look, and he said, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. And then a moment later, it occurred to him, oh, I have, I have a servant who follows this teacher. Let me ask him. Well, the servant arranged for me to meet uh, this guru. And I was taken that afternoon for an audience. And it was just, and I write about this in the memoir. Um, so, so then I began to recover, uh, you know, all these things that I had wondered about. Why? Was I designing residential homes starting when I was seven and drawing elevations? You know, and why were they so good that when we moved to uh, California, I put together my portfolio and mailed it to the Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation office. They had an office in San Francisco, and I was invited in to meet with the head architect who was so impressed he offered me a job when I finished high school. You know, I wondered about why I was writing, producing, and directing plays uh, that were really very body when I was eight years old. Well, what, what I discovered were these were past impressions from particular lives. I was an architect in my Baltimore life. The life immediately preceding that, I was an actor and playwright in Denmark, uh, traveling you know, usually in a troupe or with my partner putting on shows wherever we could. So all these uh, impressions of, like I'd had very, very strong deja vu when I visited Bombay and Juhu Beach, which is sort of um, a movie star colony. Uh, And that's actually where I had lived, uh, very near Bombay. So all these questions I had were explained. So I just kept uh, getting more and more information, uh, and and there were a lot of triggers. You know, I would hear something that just struck a very strong chord, like music, uh, and it triggered a very important event in my British life. When I I went to uh, rescue my younger uh, brother from a a very poor idea of a marriage, so I've had all these triggers, but then as I continued, it's a great story. I write about it in, in the book. Uh, I realized I could kind of know whatever I wanted to know. So I started to ask my higher self, what, you know, where should I go? It's sort of like you know, putting something in mm-hmm. the search engine on Google. You know, where do you want to go today? And right. uh, I, The mother of and all I, search engines. I found I was being, I'm sorry, what? I said the mother of all search engines. Exactly, which <laughs> yeah, all of us have. Yeah, anybody yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, anybody can develop this if if they are pulled to and they're ready to. 
But what I found, which was really interesting, which was my higher consciousness was directing me to discover and write about seven lives at a time. And they all had this spiritual connection of having, of I having had one or more what I call evolutionary spiritual experiences. So I would discover these lives that were all over the map, all over time, uh, and they were part of a grouping uh, for some reason. And I just, you know, I was just writing this in a journal. When I, at first, the first week and I began to recover information, I thought maybe I'll have 20 double space pages that I can share with a few select friends. <laughs> well, my, uh-huh. you know, who wouldn't think I'm totally crazy. Well, the journal just kept growing and growing and growing. And, um, you know, I finally recovered 71 human lives and 17 animal lives, which were mainly the result of committing two great uh, hurtful actions, uh, which led to me losing that opportunity to come back as a human. But I've had, Mm. I I actually recovered, I mean, I I know that I had far more human lives, uh, to be exact, I've I've had 4,137 human lives and, of course, far, far more animal, bird, insect lives. Uh, You know, people think different things, Robert, but um, even if you think this is your only life, uh, I mean, the chances are you're going to reincarnate. You may come back (laughs) as an animal. If, If you do really really bad stuff I would, you made yeah i was just going to ask you about in, that in a, what yeah i was going to ask you about that now the idea of you know coming back as an animal if you've done some uh something kind of you know horrific enough not to be able to become come back as human do wouldn't you i mean i i would think that you know that there might be people who willingly choose that animal experience um, not as a punishment, but as uh, for the sake of the experience. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, everything is possible in, in existence. Yeah. I mean, one, when you were saying that, I was recalling, you know, this life uh, when I came back as a dog in Very Pampered, and, and that was a life when I was a mother uh, with six children. And I just wanted to be taken care of. I was flat out tired. Um, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that was the desire really to come back and, and have an easier life and, and be taken care of. But I've come back as dogs, uh, which, and I've had some horrible lives. Um, you know, I've come back as horses and, and been horribly uh, mistreated. Um, so some people may, uh, you know, may get that. You know, whether you choose your lives or not, you know, I, I think that depends on the individual. Uh, and I don't mm-hmm. want to weigh yeah. in on that that much. Yeah, no, no, I understand. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, excuse me, I, you know, the idea of, you know, a reincarnation being only limited to the human experience, I think, um, just um, ignores, I think, you know, just a lot of the other quote, the other life forms, not quote, mm-hmm. other life forms well, that are that are part yeah, of the experience. Actually, that's, that, yeah, Robert. Actually, that's a very important point because 
if you read some of the literature on reincarnation, it really just covers human lives. And uh, some of them may be a little challenging, but a lot of them are just, you know, a walk in the park. It makes it seem like, you know, you're, you're just on this ongoing, delightful uh, adult education seminar one after another. And uh, you're kind of missing, you know, the heavy stuff. Uh, and mm-hmm. and um, Earth, is, Earth is a very tough environment uh, to be in. Uh, I actually recovered that I lived on two other planets before Earth, and the populations were, uh, in comparison, far more spiritually evolved. Technologically, they were like nowhere, but uh, they, were, they were basically easier lives, and, and people were more spiritually evolved. But I came here. This is a very, very tough school. I mean, all you have to do is, have to do is read a newspaper, <laughs> really? go in the hospital. Yeah. There's a lot of suffering here. So in a new yeah. now, I really give people the opportunity to see what their options are, what you want to do with the rest of your life. These are your options um, in terms of, I mean, some people just want to go from pleasure to pleasure, from desire to desire, whatever it may be. That's fine. But this is your God-given precious opportunity to make use of your life. And you may not get it again for a long time, depending on what you do this life, but also what actions you committed in the past, because the fundamental law of existence is action and reaction. If you kill three people, um, that suffering has to be evened out, paid off in some way. If you Mm -hmm. kill 5,000 chickens, uh, you may not necessarily have to come back 5,000 times as a chicken to be killed, (laughs) but that suffering has to be evened out somehow. And people go through, you know, mental, emotional, physical... You name it. There's all kinds of suffering, um, and I, I deal. I write a lot about in in uh, a new now how to deal with it and how to attend to it and how to develop all your sources of wisdom to really navigate every single challenge you have day by day, moment by moment. Yeah. Now, th- when you're talking about new now, you're 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 basically talking about uh, a, creating a new reality for yourself or creating the reality that you want to see for yourself, correct? Right. It, it's sort of uh, teaching yourself how to live with higher consciousness. It's empowering your higher mind, that part of you that is kind, good, generous, that likes to be of service, that is more in touch with the spiritual strengths and virtues, uh, which I write about in in my book list, The 33 Essential uh, Virtues. So um, it's really, uh, this is, A New Now is is really a self-participatory experiential book. It's kind of hard to convey uh, in an interview. You have to really Mm -hmm. interact with and uh, to really assist people, because I'm sure a lot of your listeners have read a lot of uplifting, inspiring, and also practical books. But then I know for me, I don't 
typically remember much of anything of what I read. Uh, what I've done is uh, there's a journey journal. I explain how to use the journey journal, which you can call anything you want, uh, in the first chapter, and you can download it from my website, which is goddard.com, which you kindly gave out. That's G-O-D for God and D-A-R-T for Dart. Uh, and it's simply a Word document. And, and the whole idea is to use it as you, to teach yourself how to use it in a way that will serve you. So I'm not advocating people follow any kind of meditation or spiritual path. But what I'm hoping to do is provide a pathway for people to realize their best, most authentic self rather than be addicted to whatever they're addicted to, whether it's, you know, Candy Crush uh, or porn <laughs> or whatever they watch on TV. I, I mean, we're, we're ruled, you know, so much by our addictions and they're nice. That's why, uh, I mean, we enjoy them because they are addictive. Um, so uh, it takes great willpower to kind of uh, focus on how you can make best use of your life. Because as we found out so recently, you may be here today, but gone tomorrow. I mean, people yeah. lost all kinds of loved ones they never expected to lose. Yes, that is, uh, um, that, that is the amazing thing that kind of came through with, you know, what we went through this um, during the pandemic. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I just want to, we're going to take a break in, in a couple of minutes. So I do want to invite listeners, if you want to call in and ask Michael any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And for those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to pose them there. So I was going to um, kind of ask you, you know, re recognizing kind of what we've gone through, people have had this, you know, really long period of reflection and have learned a lot of different things about themselves and about other people. Um, it seems that um, it's ripe right now for people to create their now based on what they've learned. Is, is, would is that an accurate kind of read of what we've gone through and what the, the opportunity that it presents? Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is the perfect time. I mean, during the pandemic, um, you were just really trying to get through each day. I mean, people had really tough, challenging times for the most part. But now you can kind of take a, a breath of relief. Uh, I mean, you know, people are still going through it, but we're coming out of it. And it's like, this is your opportunity now to take stock and see where you've gone, where you've been, and where you want to go to. So this is the guidebook you can keep with you for the rest of your life as you keep growing. And with the Journey Journal, that is going to inspire you to see where you've been because, you know, I encourage people to date their entries and make them searchable so they're searchable and to really develop I mean, things will come to you as your uh, higher knowing develops, inspiration, intuition, clear-headedness, and you will see where your path leads you. So you don't have to follow any other person necessarily, but you can make this the, the most authentic and best life for yourself. And I'm happy to take any question about any metaphysical topic, Robert. 
Okay, great, great. That's great. So why don't we go ahead and take that that short break, um, and then we'll continue. Everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back in about 90 seconds. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Michael Goddard, and we are talking about his new book, A New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium, and Empowering Your Nobler Self. And again, for more information, you can visit his website, which is www.goddard.com. That's goddart.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Michael. Yes, good, good to be back okay. with you, Robert. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so uh, wisdom plays a, a major part in your book. Uh, you know, it's a guide to mastering wisdom. So can you just give the listeners your perspective of, of what wisdom is and what, what, what wisdom you're talking about in the book? Okay, well, wisdom is utilizing the best of your mental and intuitive faculties moment to moment. Uh, Each of us has what I call an aquifer of higher consciousness within us. And an aquifer is sort of an underground, I mean, physically, geologically, uh, and I live on an aquifer in Palm Springs, California. It's an underground layer of water-bearing permeable rock and all the stuff that kind of gets in the way of our knowing, I think of as the rock, And the conscious work you do, like through meditation, uh, is blasting away the rock. Because what the water bearing, uh, what the water is, is really your higher consciousness, so it can flow through. Uh, And so we, each of us has a a great deal of wisdom that we haven't developed. Uh, Anyone can grow in in wisdom. And uh, in the book, I describe the 33 wisdoms which are the 11 loving wisdoms, the 11 guiding wisdoms, and the 11 evolutionary wisdoms. And the whole idea is, you know, to to read that section and whatever pulls you, you can become more aware of uh, in your life and you can can work on. So this is really, um, 
to help you learn better how to live, to make use of your wisdom, to just, you know, somebody asks you something or you're in a situation, not to react, but to respond uh, with wisdom. A lot of us get into trouble or bad situations because we're just uh, reacting without, without our higher knowing. Um, so you, what you think, you know, what your everyday, perhaps lower mind may do and act out may not be the best choice for you. So the whole idea of wisdom is to be able to live on a higher plane, a higher reality, so things don't ruffle you that much. I mean, uh, the whole COVID uh, times were were uh, a bit traumatic for me, um, but I learned to, to deal with it with, with wisdom. And in fact, it turned out to be a very rich time of my life, uh, although all but one of my local friends fell away. Uh, we were not in contact. So I was almost in complete, and I do mean complete isolation, um, but I, I used that time very wisely, and it was, it was rich. So um, ask me anything else you may want. Uh, in fact, case I haven't talked enough about about wisdom. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's um, one of the as you were talking, it, you know, the idea of basically using um, utilizing all of your experience and, and the things that you've learned, um, and one of my um, no favorite acronym I've been using uh, is, is that life is really just awareness generating experience or, or age. So that you know, the more that you live, the more that you experience, the, the wiser you are. I mean, it, that that you know, well, I wouldn't say the the more you have the ability to draw from, you know, to be right, wise. right, and and. All, and uh, what was the acronym again? I didn't. I didn't quite catch it. Age, awareness, generating experience. This non-judgmental oh, oh, experience. Yeah, and it, it was just meant for you to 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 me. It, it's just like a lot of times that were were things that happen where it was just meant to raise our awareness, whether we we choose to recognize it or not. But it's the idea is just to raise awareness. Because I think once you raise awareness, then from that, so much can come. Exactly. And I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Robert, because early in the book, I, I share what uh, to me is the essential question, which is how can I live as my aware self? So basically the book is showing you how to, live and answer that that question how can i live as my aware self and it's all about uh, awareness and being in a heightened state of awareness that is your new now that is your new way of being and it gets better and better and, and better uh and it, it just helps you conquer so many negative things fears angers uh it really empowers you to let go and uh, empowers your your higher mind. Yeah, very much. Now, um, and another topic that you explore um, in the book that I'd like to free to touch on is equilibrium. Um, you know, you, you talk about you know different types of uh, different keys that people can use to achieve equilibrium. And and when you mentioned kind of 
um, reacting to things or or or, or um, being not not being reactive to things, just kind of right. a step above. To, to me, to me, it seemed like that that was a way to achieve equilibrium. That that balance. Yes, yes, and equilibrium and wisdom go go hand in hand. If you are uh, completely scattered and being pulled in a million directions and nervous, it's hard to draw on your wisdom. So equilibrium is simply dynamic balance. It's a spiritual center that you can live in and learn to return to again and again. And being in a state of equilibrium is wonderful. It enriches your life and helps you feel good and supports your health. Um, So it's an optimal state in which you can access all your your powers. And uh, in the book, uh, I describe and I, I give 10 keys to achieving equilibrium. And it's really a way of rebalancing yourself mentally, emotionally, and, and physically. And actually, uh, if people want to um, uh, search on the Internet, I have an excerpt um, from the book, The Power and Potential of Equilibrium. Uh, it's appeared on quite a few websites. It's also part of the excerpt I have on my website, but um, you know, I'm I'm a writer to be honest. I'm I'm you know I, I don't have total <laughs> recall or memory of anything I've written um, by a long shot. So uh, it, it's always best to go to the source, which in this case, since I'm a writer, you know, to read the actual words, and that way you can you can respond in a very intimate way. Uh, uh, as the information enters your your consciousness. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, I, uh, I know that I've self-published a couple of books, and every now and then I'll go back and read, and it's like, oh yes, now I remember, you know, right? But I, if I were to try to recall that immediately, it was like no. But but I think that's part of being in a kind of a state, an altered state when writing sometimes. That it's, you know, well, they're your words, well, yeah, but, you know, was, they're your words. Yeah I, was, mm-hmm. yeah, I was very much kind of in a higher state when I wrote these. And, you know, when I, finally, you know, a, a couple months ago, I took another look at the book because I thought, oh, goodness, I'm going to be doing interviews. And what did I write? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was surprised. Uh-huh. Enough, How did I write for this? And you know, the the best right. answer is word by word with revision. So uh, you know, I'm somebody who loves to write, who loves to get the words right, and to make it as clear as possible. And what I really hope, one of the things I hope I achieved in a you now, Robert, is that uh, people will feel a warm and encouraging presence uh, when, when they read it, uh, and they won't be intimidated in any way. They'll find it easy. Uh, and accepting and, and very reader friendly and clear. I, I really focus on clarity in, in all my writing. Yeah, that, that that's real important to, um, you know, to, and, and it came across that it was very, um, very simple and clear. And that, that's what I like um, that, uh, you know, and, and then also the, the topics um, are, are short. I mean, you know, you, 
you have basically the, it's a short read between topics. It's kind of like one of those books that if if you you know really feel the urge, you just open it up, and then you'll get your bit of wisdom for the day. Um, it, you'll because you like for example in, in the um, eleven loving wisdoms, you know you talk about acceptance, grooming, thanking, friendships. There's so many different aspects to wisdom that I, I don't think that people recognize um, it. what they do every day is a source of wisdom. Right, right. Yeah, they're, they're all the, the specific uh, wisdoms, and uh, that, that is also a, a, a good practice uh, to be able to open the book, you know, intuitively and or or scan the chapters and see what you're you're drawn to. You know, the, the, each each wisdom and each key uh, to equilibrium is listed in the table of contents. So you can even just scan that and and feel what you're pulled to and and go there. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, so, what what would you say um, right now? We where we're at. In the world, I mean, you know, when it comes to uh, getting to that um, that new perspective, that that you know, the the new now, is it? Um, are we kind of now? Have we kind of hit hit bottom, so to speak, so that now we have, you know, the ability to kind of just go upward with creation of that that new now? Well, do you mean uh, has the world itself yeah, bottom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a kind of like, oh, you know, no. I mean, direct, I, think, I, think, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, if you're talking about conditions of the world, I mean, this has always been a really hard, heavy place. I mean, there are periods when things seem better or more peaceful, but we don't know what's coming next year, next month. Um, I wasn't at all mm-hmm. surprised about the pandemic. It's been on my radar for years. I didn't know when it would come. But uh, there are all kinds of challenges ahead. But the real question is, um, you know, where each individual is at. I mean, people can look at the news and find every single excuse for, you know, we're going to hell in a handbasket. Well, you know, mm-hmm. the the world, this world has been going to hell in a handbasket for you know, millennia. So, uh, yeah. and, you know, you just have to look at your situation and, and yeah. detach from what's pulling you down. And you, you don't detach by, by kind of mentally trying to detach. You detach naturally by attaching yourself and, and focusing on your, your higher abilities, your wisdom. And I give a lot of yeah. good uh, practices uh, in the book that people can do, you know, as to what they're uh, feel pulled to. I mean, meditation is very, very key, uh, and some people may not feel this is the time for them to do it. But um, you know, I talk about positive positivity and your thoughts, and all kinds of tools to help you deal with people in situations that are difficult. And a lot of that's in the section. Uh, in the five sources of wisdom under clear-headedness. So everybody can strive to develop uh, clear-headedness, I I feel. 
uh, and that would serve you uh, beautifully. Yeah, yeah, very much. And, and um, yeah, and I, uh, the other ones in that section, inspiration, intuition, forgiveness, listening, all of those would certainly lend to a much more peaceful environment <laughs> for everyone. Oh, yeah, yes. I mean, what you want, I mean, being in equilibrium is you, you want to be in a peaceful uh, atmosphere. Uh, and I feel, you know, like for inspiration, you know, I love the title of your, of your show. Um, we all have the capacity to receive inspiration greatly. Often I, I think it may happen and it's disregarded. So uh, I, I do write uh, a fair amount about inspiration, and I differentiate that from intuition. Um, but I, I give keys for uh, really developing the mental atmosphere to really invite more uh, inspiration and also to help people develop their intuition. Um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I think we all in, want to... Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I... I, I I was going to say, I, I, I tend to look at the, the difference between the inspiration and intuition. When I've kind of looked at it is that it seems to me that inspiration leads to action, you know, where intuition leads to knowledge, you know, and, um, you know, because... You, yeah. You, so anyway, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, inspiration is more uh, where to go. And intuition is more, you know, what what to know to make it very, very simple. Yeah, yeah. Well, so now, what would you say the um, the readers are, are going to get from from reading um, the new now, the new now? Well, I, I think they're going to get a whole new perspective on their life and why they're here and what they want to do with it. And I feel, you know, if, if they read it and pay attention, they will become empowered to learn how to create the best life possible for them, for them now. Now, it's a life that's not modeled on some gymnastic star or a one percenter or somebody out there. It's a life modeled on who you are now, which includes who you've been. So, you know, it's very easy to waste a life. Uh, you, I mean, I, I live in Palm Springs. There are casinos all over the place. People can spend all day gambling, you know, losing pennies mm -hmm. or losing most of what they have. So uh, this is your opportunity. If you've lived, well, if you haven't lived through the pandemic, you're probably not listening at the moment. Uh, although, <laughs> you know, I won't swear you're to not going to be able to do it. But, <laughs> right. But this is your opportunity to, to really take stock and find out how you want to live the rest of your life. You know, maybe there's some terrific talent that you've been yearning uh, to develop, like composing music or or, or singing, um, you can kind of create a plan to to realize that this lifetime, or perhaps even the next. I I feel that a lot of our geniuses who come in, you know, they don't just come in with a tabula rasa, a blank slate. They've been developing mm -hmm. this in prior lifetimes, in between lives. Uh, they've been probably preparing. 
and and often uh, I mean often they have very challenging circumstances, but it's really their environment they come into really conspires in a good way to make that genius be expressed. So yeah, really everything now, is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I, I have a question. Now, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, the sanskaras, and, you know, and, and you, you talk about that in your second book, In Search of Lost, or your other book, I'm not sure it was the second, I think it was, In Search of Lost Lives, um, Desire, um, mm-hmm. Sanskaras, and Evolution of Mind and Body. Mind and soul. Um, do you feel that okay? These sanskars are these impressions, and I like the description of them as being impressions that one brings forth from past lives. Do you feel that um, those, um, as you're kind of planning for this, this particular trip around, that those are um, impressions? that are going to be playing a major role um, in this particular life experience, you know, so it's kind of like you're, so, you're um, selecting from a, a buffet of, of your, you know, impressions, you know, so, you know, so like, for example, let's say um, a child comes in as a, a, um, a piano um when, I forget what they call them. Um, Savant. Yeah, prodigy. In any way. Yeah, prodigy. Um, so would, would carrying something like that, um, obviously it's an impression, you know, because, I mean, it's something, you know, there's – it seems to be a, a common explanation that sometimes those particular talents are connected to a previous life. So do you feel that, you know, um, as we come in that we – but what I'm trying to get at is, you know, a lot of those things happen during childhood. You mentioned during childhood. So my question is, is for um, parents out there who have children, you know, to pay attention to, you know, whatever interests them, but also in creating that a new now um, for adults, um, is it kind of, um, would it be beneficial to revisit those childhood um, interests? Well, it, it could be very beneficial. Um, I, I do feel that, you know, like someone who comes in as a musical prodigy, they may have worked on it in a past life to some degree, but perhaps more important, they had the great desire to to play like a, a master pianist. And probably they were working on it uh, between lives uh, with, with a spiritual teacher or, or somehow. So they come in. So, you know, there are different kinds of sanskaras. Uh, I mentioned a number of sanskaras impressions that, that, I mean, they're all explained by um, specific experiences in particular past lives. Uh, like I had a, a few aversions to things. Well, those arose mm-hmm. from uh, different experiences. But like uh, doing the... the uh, writing of plays, producing and acting them, um, that, you know, that came directly from a prior life and it was a desire more to fulfill. Uh, but particularly the architecture I did. I, you know, I had mm-hmm. four children in that life uh, in Baltimore and it was a real struggle to provide for my family and have enough work. And I really had this yearning 
to design residential architecture. And that desire was so strong, it's what I would say it congealed into a karma. So I came in with that. And so at a very young age, I was doing these advanced floor plans very creatively and, and drawing the homes. My parents didn't encourage me. You know, I, I guess they provided paper and I had pencils from school. Right. But I was putting yeah. off that desire. And, uh, you know, and then I was offered a job when I finished high school by the Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation. Well, I didn't feel that was my path um, in in terms of work, so I let it go. So uh, sanskara may be a path you need to walk on for a while, and that's the end of it. Or it may be opening up to something fabulous. I mean, a lot of people Mm -hmm. discover second and third careers like as healers. You know, so I one of my sanskaras, um, I, I don't dwell on it at length, but uh, I, I, from a very early age, you know, as soon as I was independent, I was into herbs. Well, I was an herbalist uh, I, I, in a couple past lives. It was a very natural thing for me. Now, I have a friend who really uh, has become a master healer in her later years, uh, and, you know, this is probably a sanskara she came in with that was meant to bloom more uh, into more of an activity. So it's hard to know whether it's something that is yet to develop and flourish and, you know, bloom and flower or whether it's just really a desire you need to complete. And that's why it's good to build your awareness as much as possible. Um, I mean, I used to be a ruler of a, of a foreign country, and, you know, I don't read local news. I pay great attention to international news, and um, often I find myself thinking, and I relate about this in, in Search of Lost Lives, I, I visualize myself as a benevolent ruler and what I would do for the people, or I, I always put myself in that position if I ruled the country. Well, I realize now that this is a sanskara from being a ruler of, of this country, and um, I had absolutely no desire to be in politics, you know, be the last thing I do, but I'm not really interested <laughs> in local news. I wish I would be, but listen, you know, the whole thing about Brexit and whether, you know, Catalonia, Catalonia would become independent absolutely fascinates me, uh, all, all the political yeah. changes. Um, so that's what I often mainly read about in the news. Wow. Yeah, you know, I, I think that I just find it fascinating that, you know, the, the whole um, – process, <laughs> you know, the, the living the life, you know, getting those, you know, impressions, those things, those experiences that make a major impact in one way or another, you know, whether it be for the, I don't think, I mean, you can say good or bad, but whether whether the, the feeling is good or bad, but it's an impression and that, that you carry those impressions, you know, as a soul. I would, I guess, correct. Um, that then can draw them, draw on them at, uh, when needed. Exactly, and I, I think you really need to honor them and not judge uh, others or yourself. And especially for parents, um, you know, you know, like I had nothing in common with my brother, and a lot of 
parents, I think, marvel <laughs> that their children can be so different. And how can, you know, they have very similar DNA and blood, you know, the same bloodlines. How can they be so completely different? Well, it's because, you know, a, a different mind and soul, which are knotted together, uh, entered this body, yeah. and they have completely different histories. And, um, you, you know, and, and you may have known people in your past life in, in certain families or not. My family, we were all first-timers. I was, I mean, they were all first-timers mm. to me, whereas the life I write about when I was a nobleman in Hungary, I'd had uh, many lives uh, with most of the rest of the family, and it was a very loving, close family, and we were there to, like, enhance our harmony. But I also write about, I think this will interest people, I don't, I don't really believe in soulmates, uh, because I, I, I don't think we're like, you know, we were halved at some point, although it could have happened. I didn't find it in my exploration. But I, I write it about great loves, which, you know, you could call a soulmate if you wanted to. And each of these great loves, I had known them like in four or five prior lives as brothers, as best friends. And it was like we were building this wonderful yeah. foundation of harmony. So when I met them and it developed, it just became a complete total love. And, you know, marriages just completely occupy a wide spectrum from nightmare to, to heaven. So, uh, and the thing is, you know, life doesn't make sense to most people. And it's, you know, it's like it's not meant to. But I guess <laughs> one of my messages is it really does make mm-hmm. sense if you know everything on uh, before, but you know, it's not that so much that we want understanding. Although, it's really relieved me to know all about my uh, foibles and aversions and uh, and talents. But it's we're really here to make spiritual progress. Uh, I feel each life does have a spiritual purpose, which you may or may not ever know about. But in pursuing your, your spirituality, you are evolving further. And, um, and the human life is a great, great gift. It's, it's the most precious gift you can ever receive. And that's why it's such a tragedy if somebody commits suicide or just wastes their life. Yeah. But they may be meant to waste their life, right. and it will be a good hard lesson they can come back from. Right, yeah, you know, in my view on that, it's, it's like, you know, they, they just kind of loaded up on a little bit more than they could chew, you know, um, and, you know, without judgment, you know, just decided to, you know, try again um, sometime. Um, but, um, and, and also, you know, one of the things I've noticed is, is the impression that that leaves on everyone around that person's life and for for every, almost every single time you know people are drawn into recognizing the frag, fragility of life you know that um so i think you know that it, it serves that purpose as well you know but anyway that's for another day <laughs> well, well michael i really yes. appreciate talking to you now we're connected on facebook so i really look forward to following you there and for listeners if, if you are on facebook feel free to follow michael and, and myself um so thank you for your time today michael
Oh, oh, thank you very much. And and I'll be um, you know posting interviews on my Facebook uh, book page, which is More Bliss, More Bliss. So uh, feel free oh. to visit that. I'll, I'll be more active, and hopefully I'll be able to post uh, this great interview, which I, I so enjoyed, Robert. I thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll make sure to try and, and do that share and get that all right. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll, we'll get it done together. So thank you again. Oh, you're most welcome. All the very best to you and all your listeners. Thank, thank you. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Michael Goddard, and we have been talking about his new book, A New Now, uh, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium and empowering your nobler self. And again, as we talked about during the show, you can visit his website, which is www.goddart.com, and that's goddart.com, all one word. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.